0: Welcome back, Bayside! <laughs> They're taking school spirit... The fun's just getting started! ...to the max.
1: This, this is gonna be awesome!
0: Save by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Save by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.
1: I think all this time, we're wrestling fans that love slow builds. If you're going to position anybody in that spot right now to challenge Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, you go with the heel that you've been slow burning for the last year, and that person is... Everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Talk Show, episode number 574 for February 11th, 2021. This is your WWE NXT Takeover Vengeance Day preview and predictions edition of SRTU. I'm one half the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co host, the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr Trey, how do we convince our loved ones to sit down on Valentine's Day and watch Vengeance Day, my friend?
0: Uh, you get them really really drunk beforehand and convince them that this is some reality uh, cook-off show.
1: Okay, yeah, maybe like a dating show.
0: Yeah, it, it's like uh the great was it the, the great British cooking battle or something like that that's popular right now or it's a home improvement show. True. That's why there's all there.
1: Anything DIY Hey, listen, DIY will be there uh <laughs> in one form or fashion. You don't have to tell them what DIY is from a wrestling standpoint. Boom. What is it? 30 45 seconds Dr. Trey and I figured out how you can watch Vengeance Day on Valentine's Day. Hey, we're we're not even supposed to be really going out to restaurants anyway. So, I mean, what's the big deal? Just stay home, put on Vengeance Day and uh I don't know, get some like as much flowers and candy as possible to to soften them up and make sure everything's all good before you sit down and watch the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the show. Dating advice from Dr. Trey Franklin and I probably did not expect that. It is Valentine's Day. We do have a pay-per-view on Sunday. Lots of discuss here in the world of professional wrestling. So uh, I figured we would pick up. We would start off this show with a conversation. We kind of. Discussing last week, coming off the heels of the Royal Rumble, uh, and that's in regards to Edge winning the Rumble match, the men's Rumble match uh, ten days ago. And the more I thought about this, Doctor Trey, following last week's show, the more I watched WWE programming this week. There are obviously three choices that uh, Edge has right now. Should all the current champions hold on to their titles? You got Roman Reigns as the Universal Champion on SmackDown, Finn Balor the NXT Champion on NXT. And Drew McIntyre, the WWE Champion on Raw. And I broke down each one of those areas into, uh, well, there's it, there's three areas that I broke this down to. So, uh, I want to know what's more important. The Dream Match scenario, which to me is Roman Reigns versus Edge. Building a rising star, which to me would be Drew McIntyre and Finn Balor. Or a comeback story. Edge returning from injury, neck injury, your, you know, his, his career cut short, retirement, comes back, tears his triceps, another comeback story. What is more important right now, the dream match, building a rising star, or the comeback story for Edge's Royal Rumble WrestleMania 37 booking?
0: That's a really good question. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but... Um, I guess my answer is also predicated on the same. He's already discussed with my answer. Uh, my answer is going to be predicated based on kind of what we saw books over the last over the last couple of weeks. And so I'm going to go with the dream match. That is it's Roman versus edge that that's where they want to go. I mean, the comeback story is fantastic, but the comeback story really was last year's rumble and then the subsequent matches with Randy Orton. Uh, the building of the stars, to me, you look at Drew McIntyre, he now joins only one other person in the history of this business to defeat Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. And for as much of building up Finn Balor as you want, where on NXT, Finn Balor kind of already is edge of that brand. Like, he's kind of the old man of NXT in a lot of ways. So to me, when you look at it that way, I would, I, I, to me, it's the dream match. You got Spear versus Spear, you know, the the guy that everybody hates versus the the quintessential comeback story. It all ties them together, and uh, it's the generational battles that we love. So I think Rome, I think Roman and Edge is is the match that we kind of need for WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, it's uh, something we discussed coming off the heels of the Rumble last week. Like I said before, and I felt like that there was different layers to it, and I think when you go down the direction of the dream match with Roman Reigns, which to me, that that's that's the match to me that I want to see. That that That's a marquee match. That's a match, especially with the way that Reigns has been booked lately since he returned uh, from last year's WrestleMania sitting out due to the pandemic. This is the direction that you go where if you want to get the casual fan, you want to get the diehard fan to sit down and watch WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday, you're in a show with Edge versus Roman Reigns. That does it for me. And I think it actually kills two of the three birds that I had named – with one stone, Dr. Trey, Dream Match, Reigns Edge, Comeback Story, Reigns Edge. Y- you kind of do both. Um, I don't think Drew McIntyre needs Edge to build him up as this upper echelon superstar. Uh, you just alluded that Drew McIntyre is only one of two wrestlers joining The Undertaker to defeat both Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. Um I, I don't think Drew needs it. Finn is kind of in his own world on NXT, and I, and I love Finn Balor. I love NXT. I, I just don't think Edge versus Finn Balor would do it for me. This is like a Charlotte-Rhea Ripley situation where you're watching that match a year ago or that build-up to that match, and you're like, this is this is going to put Rhea Ripley on the map. And uh, you can kind of go 50-50 there if it put Rhea Ripley on the map, per se. I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it, but Finn Balor doesn't need put on the map by Edge. He's he's kind of there. He's like a step or notch below where or, or two where Drew McIntyre is. So you've got the dream match, you've got the comeback story. Which do you care most about then if you're going the direction of Reigns? Do you care about the dream match scenario more than you do the comeback story? Do you completely put the comeback story to the side? You you said that it it doesn't feel like much of a comeback story. Uh, that that was last year but I think you can make the case here he is nine years sitting out makes his triumphant return wrestles at Wrestlemania wrestles at backlash second match boom injured out for eight months I I do think there's an element of a comeback there which is which is the direction here is is it 50 50 is it 70 30 or is it 100 0 depending on how you look at that matchup if you go reign's edge I mean
0: to me it's you know, probably more than that, like that 60-40 range between Dream Match and Comeback Story. Like, this is a match that nobody thought would happen. I mean, it wasn't until a year ago that we even thought this might be a possibility. And even then it was like, well, they're on opposite shows, and is Red Edge ever really going to get that shot? You know, you just never do it. And then, you know, Edge on Raw just kind of felt like a natural fit. And then you get to this point, point, you're like, well, it does make sense for the Comeback Story, because that is... You know, SmackDown was the brand that he was the champion of when he got hurt and never lost the title. Now, tracking the lineage of the belts can get kind of convoluted at times. Sorry. But, you know, that, that part does play into it. But I think the bigger thing is you're trying to build up this brand. You're trying to get eyes on the product. Edge is probably the most well-known wrestler that might be on this show this year. Uh, with it, maybe, I mean, unless they throw Goldberg a bone and throw him on the show. But... You know, no Brock Lesnar, no Undertaker, probably no John Cena, you know, no Rock. Edge is the biggest name that you have available right now to actually put into a match that can be competitive and compelling. So to me, the dream match does slightly outweigh the comeback story. But to me, they are intertwined because it's the SmackDown brand. And that was to me, that was Edge's brand. SmackDown was Edge's brand, despite, you know, his good runs on Raw. That was his show.
1: Do you think, and I hate to say this because it's like disrespectful to Edge because I enjoy his work so much. Do you think the newer fans, younger fans, however, right, you want to look at this? Like, I think if you put Austin, you put Rock in there, you put Triple H in there, Undertaker, HBK, fans know who those superstars are. Does Edge carry that same weight where a newer, Younger fan can truly appreciate like we can that Edge is back in the ring after all this time and wrestling Roman Reigns potentially in a WrestleMania match.
0: Yeah, that's a good question because I, I don't know if if there's a hierarchy of, of gravitas when it comes to uh, you know wrestlers' lineage. I mean, you know, you talk about Rock, you talk about Austin. You know, those guys are you know elite level, top of the top of the food chain. Uh, Rushmore got taken up there and, and Brock because of his crossover appeal. Um, Goldberg maybe carries a little more weight than Edge just because you know, that was at the height of the Monday Night Wars, which was the most viewers of pro wrestling at any given point uh, in the history of the business. Someone like Edge, where it's kind of like I, he, he almost was like an urban legend to some younger kids. Like, they hear about Edge and Christian and the TLC matches with the Hardy Boys and you know the the stuff with him and John Cena and the live sex show, and so there's like this. It's almost like this urban legend myth about him because he came at a time when viewership was dropping off. He came at a time when you know it, it just wrestling wasn't as cool as it was maybe five years earlier, uh, and he came at a time when people were kind of sick of John Cena being shoved down their throats so they kind of you know revolted in protest. So, I, I to me, I think it's a, a really cool thing because if you have the network obviously you probably watched the edge and christian show and you see all these things that edge did that was kind of cool and funny and you know these these great mythical battles that he's had but he doesn't have the quote-unquote name casual name value that the other guys have but i still think to to most wrestling fans he's you know if cena if austin rocker like a plus guys you know edge is probably a minus to b plus guy
1: True, true. I think that's true. Um, obviously, Hall of Famer, one of the best wrestlers in the last twenty plus years. Uh, longevity, despite the injury, was in the Attitude Era. Really helped carry WWE during that two thousand to two thousand ten decade, along with the likes of Randy Orton, John Cena, uh, Batista, and so on. Edge was one of the top five guys, maybe top three guys for WWE during that uh, that decade alone. Um, so if you go the direction Edge versus Roman Reigns, which is I I believe WWE will do, if you don't have Edge take on Drew McIntyre, now let's say McIntyre holds on to the championship at WrestleMania, I can't see why he would drop it in Elimination Chamber or Fastlane, but crazier things have happened. If not Edge for Drew, Ma- Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania 37, what's the direction that you go? I think WWE just ran an angle, and we'll preview, predict Elimination Chamber on next week's show, with Sheamus that was very easy to predict that that was going to happen. A guy who's been a long time heel for God, the last five, six, seven, eight years, um, all of a sudden turns babyface, and then within a month, six weeks, he turns on Drew McIntyre, which everybody in the locker room of WWE, like Keith Lee would point out, was predicting what's was going to happen at some point anyway. So it was like the worst heel-to-babyface, back-to-heel turn that we've seen in some time to set up. An elimination Chamber match, which makes no sense. I don't want them to go down the direction of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, and I thought that's the way that they, things were going and playing out back in December and, and January. So my, my thing here, Dr. Trey, is if you don't go Edge versus Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania 37, and especially what we've seen really since their match in the summer last year, and then how this wrestler has come out really from SummerSlam when they won the United States Championship to now, I'm starting to really feel that Bobby Lashley could be in that position to take on drew mcintyre at wrestlemania 37 and to me they have a wrestlemania level match you you and i talked about that match over the summer and we were all in for them to have another match and keep this feud going and that was a period of time where they were bouncing drew around from like uh heel to heel he went from rollins and lashley and then i think he went to the orton feud for the rest basically the rest of the year I would make a strong case right now that they should potentially give that baton if they're looking for somebody to go toe-to-toe with Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania 37. I think Bobby Lashley could be the guy, and I, I would totally believe if Bobby Lashley left WrestleMania with the WWE Championship.
0: Yeah, I was actually, as, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking, I think I know where Jeff's going with this question, so who would I put him in the ring And I came with the same conclusion. Uh, plus, you go back to the rumble and how they had Lashley booked in that, where he looked really strong, and then it took you know what five, six guys to eliminate him. So it wasn't like you know typically in the past it was always Lashley made a mistake and somebody threw him out, or you know there was another monster in there that took care of it. But the way he's been booked, like even in those moments where he might get upset, it's still like a fluke and he gets his revenge. Um, and you look at like what we're headed to now, elimination chamber with Riddle, Lee both challenging Lashley. It's still like, okay, we need two baby faces in there to make this believable. So it makes a ton of sense, and especially if you ever want to go down the path of, you know, Lashley could be, you know, the next type Brock-type character because he does have the a background, the way he's been put together, the way he's built, having the great mouthpiece with him. He's a great quintessential heel. He's the kind of heel that you can have on Raw like you have with Roman on SmackDown where basically... The Hurt business runs that entire show, uh, so it makes a ton of sense. And plus, like, like there's not a lot of other upper echelon heels on Raw that are available because we, like, the way things look, we're probably gonna get Randy Orton, Fiend, payoff at WrestleMania. So that takes Orton out of the equation again. But we already saw Orton and McIntyre go at it. There's just not another believable top villain on that show right now for McIntyre to square up with.
1: I totally agree. Uh, they've gone the direction of AJ Styles back in TLC uh, December time. Miz is someone I wouldn't want to see face Drew McIntyre. We don't want to see a specialty match. I do think that if they go the direction of Roman Reigns versus Edge, that's somewhere lurking in the shadows. It's WrestleMania season. Brock Lesnar's not too far away. Uh, Braun Strowman has uh, has had he has had injuries. Uh, he, he was WWE champion, uh, universal champion, coming out of WrestleMania, held the title for a decent amount of time until Reigns came back, dropped the championship to Bray Wyatt. Uh, then he ran an injuries post Survivor Series. He returned to Royal Rumble. And then I, I just saw on uh, on Wrestling Inc. today that he had a blood uh, infection. I uh, hope he's doing okay. So he, he's just he's kind of start, stop. You could do Drew and Braun, but I, I think all this time, We're wrestling fans that love slow builds. If you're going to position anybody in that spot right now to challenge Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship, you go with the heel that you've been slow burning for the last year. And that person is Bobby Lashley. Uh, It just makes so much sense to me right now that that's the direction that you go. We'll see where things are. Uh, moving forward here, I think if he drops the United States Championship in a triple threat match without getting pinned in an Elimination Chamber, I would say the stock is rising for Bobby Lashley to be challenging Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, and I'm all right with that. That match that they had over the summer last year, I, I, I forget which pay-per-view it was. It may have been Extreme Rules. maybe may have been Backlash even. uh, was just really good. Very well done by uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I, I can't rack my brain on that. It, was, it had to have been... A backlash, Money in the Bank, Extreme Rules. Where, I mean, those pay per views felt like a blur, basically, from the performance. There, they were good shows. They were solid. They were like two hours and fifteen minutes. But I just remember that match was one of those underrated uh, matches of the year that I thought was really, really good, and uh, maybe definitely look different at Bobby Lashley as we move over here. And he's been booked phenomenal so far. Um, you got Edge in the Men's Royal Rumble. Bianca Belair. She kind of took a back seat. Post Rumble, in regards to who she would choose, you now are seeing that amped up some. Uh, she had her promo on SmackDown with Sasha Banks, and Carmella, and uh, Reginald in the ring. She was at Raw on Monday to talk to Oscar. Uh, I've always liked the Bianca, who is the uh, badass, arrogant jerk at times. And while I, I would cheer for her no matter where she aligns as babyface or heel, I'm not kind of I'm not really digging this whole. She respects everybody and is like, you know, hyping them up. She hyped up Sasha Banks. She hyped up Asuka. I like that NXT Bianca Belair where she doesn't take any shit and she knows she is the best. That EST of WWE, that arrogance that I think has made her really, really good, Um, which also makes us wonder, Dr. Trey, who is she going to point towards? What I don't like for storyline consistency with WWE is that Edge has has included the NXT champion, Finn Balor. Bianca Belair, when she cut her promos, she's not bringing up Io Shirai. She's not bringing up the NXT championship unless she is appearing at Vengeance Day on Sunday to add that layer into it, which I would completely welcome. I don't like that they're ignoring NXT like they did at Survivor Series this past year, even though that was kind of COVID-related. But then two months later, it's okay for NXT stars to be in the Rumble match but I digress. I wonder, you know, I mean, you had the winner last year, Charlotte Flair challenge for the NXT championship, Uh, Bianca versus EO would be pretty cool. The direction that Bianca goes for WrestleMania 37. It's kind of up in the air here. I, I don't, the women's division is, is a little bit in flux. I think Sasha may be the only champion who remains heading into WrestleMania season. I can foresee, even though I wouldn't want it, Asuka dropping the Raw Championship in favor of somebody like Charlotte Flair. Asuka's supposed to be taking on Lacey Evans in two weeks or ten days uh, at Elimination Chamber. I could totally see Lacey versus Charlotte being that Raw Women's feud, which I would not be welcome to. Where do you think we go here? I think the Edge stuff is is not a slam dunk. However, I do think the Bianca stuff is a slam dunk, and I think we're going to get EST versus Boss at WrestleMania. Dr. Troy, what say you?
0: Yeah, I mean, to your first point about, you know, Bianca's personality type, I, I'm with you. I, I like cocky, arrogant Bianca. The You know, the, you don't even go here, Bianca Belair. Um, but the problem is when they come to the main roster, automatically there's a tie-in with the Street Profits and their super babyface tag team and you don't want to have super babyface husband with the heel wife. So I think that's why they've kind of made her be a little bit more humble, you know, on the main roster. But, you know with her bouncing around, you know, looking at Sasha, looking at Oscar to me, you go to Sasha because personality wise, they line up, you know, because they can both be great smack talkers when they, when, when, when it's called upon, uh, the speed and athleticism of Sasha versus the power and athleticism of Bianca be a great matchup. And you know, the one thing we haven't seen, we haven't seen Bianca use the hair as a whip in a long time either. So, that would be interesting to see if she busts that out during the match, and that can kind of tell where they are going to position these ladies going forward out, out, after WrestleMania too. If that's where they go. But um, but you know for for my for young African American you know girls that that love pro wrestling, if you get to see Sasha and Bianca square up at a WrestleMania, like is that not like a dream match for that whole community as well? I mean to me that's just kind of where you want your your money made on that match. So uh, I would I would lean like you said like I would lean towards Boss
1: versus E S T. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a pretty much a foregone conclusion there. I think Bianca remaining on SmackDown makes sense. They've they've typically kept the married couples there, um, and I think with the Street profits on on SmackDown, it's uh, kind of a foregone conclusion that Bianca will probably challenge for the SmackDown championship at WrestleMania. But uh, yeah, I that's huge Bianca fan. I, I think the way that they're post rumble it's a little bit of a disservice i mean everybody loved that story the video of her parents celebrating was so genuine and awesome and so much fun and then the stuff i just i don't like nice bianca i just i like arrogant bianca and arrogant bianca can still be a baby face it's like you said dr trey it's that you don't go here bianca that is so good as a full 360 degree character that that's what we need to see more of right now. And hopefully they pick that back up here in the coming week, because so far the kickoff to this entire thing, not a fan of, I think they should have added the layer that Bianca would be at NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day on Sunday to watch the triple threat match and just add it in there, you know, add the, make NXT on that level. Edge Edge can show up there, but Bianca can't. I mean, Bianca roamed those halls of NXT forever. Uh, Her first chapter of her career, I, I don't know why it's being ignored, but uh, where Bianca chooses, I think will probably be decided upon uh, a lot sooner than maybe Edge, because as of right now, as a wrestling fan, just the way that it's being booked, uh, I'm more intrigued with Edge's direction than Bianca's. Uh, Switching gears here to New Japan Impact Wrestling, AEW Dr. Trey, there was a promo this week during Impact Wrestling, the uh, the paid ads by AEW of Tony Schiavone and uh, and Tony Khan, which when they originally started, I don't know how you feel about this. We'll, we'll get into this part first before I actually get into the question I want to ask you. But uh, I, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were good. Uh, and now it's it's almost to the point, and I like Tony Khan, but it kind of gets a little cringeworthy at times of how much Tony Khan is like kind of feeling himself in this character role. Uh, you could totally see why he's probably better behind the scenes than he's in front of the camera, but that's just my opinion on it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the recent paid advertisements, Doctor Trey, but it, it it does feel like uh, that Tony Khan, who was really good at them in the beginning, maybe trying just a little bit too hard right now.
0: Yeah, I, I watched the one Tuesday night uh, when I was watching Impact, and I'm watching, going, he's kind of playing up. The sleazy heel a little bit, you know, with the whole forbidden door angle and all that stuff. I'm like, I kind of get it. Like, if you're gonna have the 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 owner of AEW on Impact, that's Impact's home show. So, whoever comes on from another brand kind of has to play the heel. We've seen it with, you know, Private Party and Matt Hardy to a degree, you know, getting involved in their match, you know, getting involved in the Good Good Brothers match on Impact, and you know, you've seen it with Kenny Omega. Even though Kenny's a heel in AEW, he's still plays it up even more in impact so i kind of get why they are they're angling it that way but you're right like he's it, it's not great microphone promo stuff uh, the last couple of these little paid ads from tony Khan, but then again it's i mean he's really only been on tv now a handful of times really in his wrestling life because before you know aew i mean he was kind of like the behind the scenes you know guy with the jags and you know the other ventures they had there. He, he's not a guy that's traditionally in front of the cameras, and he's been kind of thrust into this position for these paid ads for for Impact. But like they're enjoyable, but you know, you're right. Like it kind of comes off like he's trying to sell me a car at a at a at a car lot that you wouldn't drive down there to unless you just had horrible credit.
1: See, we're we're, we're gonna start right now, like kind of uh, bashing him, obviously as an on-screen character in Tony Khan, but we're very much Quickly here in the next topic I want to bring up just momentarily before uh, actually what Dr. Trey mentioned, he, it appears he's a great mind in professional wrestling, the way that he's been booking some things. But you mentioned, Dr. Trey, the forbidden door, and that's that's perfect segue because that's what I wanted to bring up, and that has been the phrase that was, was first uttered on Impact Wrestling then carried over on AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday. I got to ask, is that forbidden door where New Japan and Impact Wrestling can enter AEW – Does that forbidden door being open in AEW mean anything to you right now from what you've seen for the first two months of that forbidden door being open?
0: You know, this is something we talked about this whole angle kicked off was, you know, if you're one of these other companies, I mean, we, we saw the partnership with the AEW and Impact startup first. And we had mentioned, I mean, if you're New Japan or if you're Ring of Honor, you have connections with the Kenny Omegas of the world and the young bucks of the world. Why would you not want to try to get... More eyes on your product by being affiliated with them. So, uh, I to me, I, I think it's it's a great move for everybody involved because, you know, for AEW you're getting exposure in other companies because there'll probably be crossovers as well. And then these companies are getting more exposure on a bigger market platform on uh, you know TNT than whatever their traditional cable home is. I think it's a great move. the The funny thing to me is, you know, you and I would sit here for years and talk about like Triple H was. The guy in WWE would go mend all the fences, like all the bridges that Vince burnt, whether it was Bruno or the Warrior or even Goldberg, Triple H was that that mender. And it kind of feels like Tony Khan has taken on that role in AEW where he's like, you know, New Japan's is probably mad because how the elite left. So, well, let me go work on that fence. You know, Impact's not, you know, hasn't been a great, you know, proponent of us because we've taken a lot of their talent. Let's go mend that fence. I think it's a brilliant strategy on his part to to kind of mend these mend these fences and open these doors up. That hey, if we can cross promote, and we can do things together to tackle the machine that is WWE. It makes sense for everybody involved.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, it's pretty cool seeing this all uh, take place right now, in professional wrestling in 2021, and uh, it just adds that that layer where it's it's a paradigm shift, and, and hopefully, it does lead to better things in all of professional wrestling moving forward. Uh, Keeping up with AEW, and this is a a topic that we've discussed in the past, Dr. Trey, and and regurgitating here, but I watched AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday, as I always do, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at these storylines right now that they're building up, heading into revolution. You've got Omega, Moxley, Young Bucks, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, Bullet Club, Mini Reunion, all kind of tying into one another. You've got uh, Darby Allin and Sting and Team Taz. You've got the Inner Circle Implosion, where Sammy Guevara this past Wednesday quits. You've got Hangman Page, Matt Hardy, Private Party, Dark Order, uh, all that stuff going on right now. Where's Hangman Page going to uh, hang his hat, per se? And then you've got uh, Jurassic Express and FTR, the slow build of, of Jungle Boy. And I just look back, show's done, show's over, and you look at everything storyline-wise from a thousand-foot view, and I just named off, what, four, five, six storylines that uh and there's some that I'm even missing you've got Orange Cassidy and and Chuck Taylor with Miro and Kip Sabian Penelope Ford even there's a lot of good storylines right now uh, in AEW there's a lot of reason why us as fans should care about what's taking place on AEW television I think AEW is doing it the best of any professional wrestling organization today and there's still obviously what Uh, less than 18 months old right now. I mean, well, about two years fully, but AEW Dynamite is a show less than 18 months, maybe less than 15 months. Does AEW have the best wrestling storylines right now that compels you to watch them each and every week as a wrestling fan? Are the storylines that I just mentioned compelling to you or are there intricacies of each one of those storylines that you may or may not be liking currently or may not even be excited to watch?
0: I would say in, in traditional wrestling storytelling, AEW is ahead of everybody else. Like, even Sammy agrees. But, like, I would say the one thing I, I really love is not just the intertwining of all the stories, but, you know, you see how they all kind of play off each other where you have the Matt Hardy private party stuff going on with his deal to be their agent slash manager and getting 30% and how that ties in this the stuff he's doing with Hangman and how he has to get Hangman drunk to sign the deal and that's why they have the cameraman there for it to document it but then you have the scene with Hangman walking past the Dark Order and instead of the Dark Order like once again trying to recruit him or trying to you know sway his opinion they just kind of it's awkward and weird like don't know what direction we're going because we we lost Brody like they kind of need somebody to kind of step into that role you know then you got the stuff with the Bucks you know battling you know with you know the inner circle and, and MJF and Jericho coming up, but then now all of a sudden they're still battling. You know they still got stuff going on with Kenny and and the Good Brothers and the and the Impact stuff, and then John Moxley intertwining into. I mean, the, the interweaving of stories has it, been really, really good. And not to mention something you you, you felt to mention is the one thing you love the most. There's a freaking tournament going on as well in the women's division.
1: Uh, I have famous. my qualms about their women's division, though.
0: I know, but it's still a tournament, Jeff.
1: True. We true. Love so,
0: uh, my only knock on it is that sometimes they'll kind of spring a match out of nowhere. And although in ring wise, it's going to be a great match, and I'm talking about like the Bucks versus Santana Ortiz, it just doesn't make sense as to why they're springing it at that time. They will, they kind of knee jerk matchmaking at times, but their storytelling and how they're building stuff. It has been fantastic and, and then you still got all the stuff that they talk about you know on the dirt sheets with, like Arn and arn has got a big secret like a big thing coming up that he does do and Cody's researching all these different angles and Tony Khan's looking into past angles that worked and how they worked like I love that they're putting it out there that hey we're not only doing great storytelling but we're going to find out what made storytelling great that made fans want to watch and then we're going to try to emulate some of those things to draw those older fans back in as well
1: yeah, they, there's a lot of really cool stuff that they do. Uh the Lee Johnson Cody stuff from Wednesday's Dynamite where uh Lee completely <laughs> forgot about uh, uh QT Marshall which they're they're saying is comparable to the Bruno San Martino Larry Zabisco stuff in the early 80s. I, I just like that how how well thought out they are and I think I do think I First off, before I'm about to say this, I should ask you this, because I, I don't watch it. I, this is probably the one piece of wrestling content I don't watch all week, and that's AEW Dark. Do you watch AEW Dark pretty regularly, Dr. Trey?
0: Um, not regularly. Uh, that's where I see a lot of my friends. A lot of my friends, when they get their AEW stuff, is on Dark. So AEW Dark is my WWE NXT UK. Oh, wow. like, I hear it and I'll tune in every now and then, uh, but I don't watch it on the regular.
1: And I love NXC UK right now. Actually, I was watching uh, this week's episode before we were recording it, and I'm like, they, they have some really good stuff going on right now with the Rampage Brown, uh, Ben Carter, Miko satamura debuted. Like, they, like that's a brand that's that's potentially on the rise from a WWE perspective. Uh, but I can totally get that. I, I don't watch AW Dark, so that is like the one piece of, of wrestling content I don't watch each week. But I always feel like on on AEW Dynamite it just it's it makes it worthwhile as a wrestling fan. Like it makes sense. And you could just kind of see where things are going, like, you know, I'm digging the Lee Johnson stuff. You had Arn Anderson's son at ringside. It's like, okay, that's peculiar. He's beginning his 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 rise as a professional wrestler. Where where could things be going here? Um Darby Allen, Team Taz has always been good. The inner circle stuff, I think, has been really good with MJF. Um, I don't know if this is the direction I would have wanted to take MJF right now. I, I feel like he should be the number one heel in AEW, but you've got Kenny Omega doing really well in that spot. It just seems like then Jungle Boy, I mean, Jungle Boy, maybe a year from now, uh, could be the top babyface face in all of AEW or this rising star, especially when fans come back there. Uh, I do think they may have to change his name to accomplish that as well. But there's just some really good things going on with AEW. It's just a very well-put-together wrestling organization, top-to-bottom storylines. There are those moments where things just get thrown together like Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz. But I would say, what, like 9 out of 10 times, Dr. Trey, the things that you see on AEW Dynamite minus the whole Shaq, Cody Rhodes stuff, make sense?
0: Yeah, I would say storytelling-wise, like I said, like every now and then they kind of pull a match out of midair, and I'm like, I, I don't really know why we're doing this match, but yeah, I mean, uh, the 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 Shack and Jade versus Cody and uh, Red Velvet uh, does see it does seem out of place. Like everything else, kind of makes sense in the world of you know soap opera, sports, entertainment. They all have that nice little interweaving. There's backstory they leave in there, and. Like even like they pulled, the, you know, pulling the Kansas stuff out there and all of a sudden you see Moxley with the IW, IWGP United States Championship. like, oh, what? we're yeah, that showing was cool. these belts on the show now other than just the Impact tag belt. I mean, it's kind of weird seeing all these other belts show up. I mean, that's kind of taking a page out of what New Japan does at time as well. So it, it, I would say probably 90, 95% of the time they're they're spot on with their, with their storytelling.
1: Going back to the Forbidden Door stuff since Dr. Trey brought it up, like, Kenta's a great addition. What um, w- was b- bizarre about that entire match, all, all I could think about, Dodger Trey, was that one time, Moxley and Kenta were under the WWE roof. Moxley was Dean Ambrose wrestling in upper m- mid-card to main event level uh, uh, matches and feuds. Kenta, Hideo Itami, was discarded in, in NXT and then just basically left to rot in 205 Live. Like, Hideo Tommy Kenta may be the most underutilized star that WWE's ever had under the roof that they did not know what to do with. Uh, I'm sure that you can make a case for a lot of guys that are currently on the roster, but you look at Kenta and it's like, this is, this is, they said he was the Babe Ruth of Japan for professional wrestling. And he is wrestling uh, Tony Nice on 205 Live <laughs> and losing to Tony Nice. It's just bizarre. That here, that here we are years later, these guys are feuding for the IWGP United States Championship, and they were under the same roof, and WWE didn't do jack shit with either one of them to wrestle on each other. Just goes to yeah, show you I sometimes. Mean,
0: I was going to say, that the thing with Kenta, Kenta reminds me of the, the college running back that has, like, you know, when they get drafted, they have, like, so many miles on the tires that teams are afraid to draft them. But then one team takes them, and he gets injury-played for the first couple years, goes to another team, and then blows up.
1: Not like Leonard like Fournette. It,
0: yeah, it kind of took... Sammy agrees with Leonard Fournette. He liked the Super Bowl. Uh, it kind of took him being banged up and injured for those couple years almost to get refreshed. So when he got that next opportunity, like he hasn't been hurt since he left WWE, and that's been over what, a year and a half, two years almost? Like He hasn't had that injury. So it's kind of weird that you know, he was always banged up and dinged in WWE. And then he leaves and all of a sudden perfectly healthy again, like he was during his, his first run in new Japan.
1: Feel free to chime in at SRTU podcast with your feelings about the forbidden door, AW storylines, who Bianca and Ed should challenge and a whole lot more at SRTU podcast on Twitter. Dr. Trey, let's get to NXT Takeover Vengeance Day. Our preview predictions. It takes place this Sunday from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida. Five matches on the card as we speak. Let's get right to it here Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. The winner of this match will get a future WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match, which I love. You got Dakota Kai taking on Raquel and Raquel Gonzalez taking on Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, I like Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez in this one, Dr. Trey, because simply I would love to see Nia Jax and Shane and Baszler take on Kai and Raquel. Your thoughts on this one, and what is your prediction?
0: Uh, by the way, Vengeance Day, uh, are they running out of names for WWEs, or just com- kind of combining Vengeance and Judgment Day into a pay-per-view name? I was just kind of blown away by that. I you think
1: have, they're yeah. trying to, uh, to save some of those old copyrights that they had.
0: That is possible. All right, Sammy, Dakota Kai, Nia Jack, or Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Amber Moon, Shotzi Blackheart. Who you like? All right, I agree. He likes Shotzi Blackheart because the tank. So Okay. Yeah. So we're taking Shotzi and Amber. But they both, they both have, like, really big moments in the Rumble. I mean, so uh, that might mean something. I don't know. But I'll take those two. Uh,
1: MSK, Wesley, and Nash Carter take on the Grizzled Young Veterans, James Drake and Zach Gibson. In the men's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic Finals go out of your way and watch Grizzled Young Veterans taking on Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. It was a shocking win. It was a win that obviously helped elevate Grizzled Young Veterans. And to me, once that match took place and that result was what it was, uh, there's no way that I could see Grizzled Young Veterans losing to MSK uh, in back-to-back years in the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Uh, I like GYV defeating MSK, Dr. Trey. What say you?
0: See, I'm torn because I never thought MSK would get this far. I I thought. Like you know, they would kind of come in, have a really great first match, and then just you know build on that going forward out of this. To push them this far, this fast makes me want to lean towards them. So, uh, plus I know them, so I, I, I'll go with MSK more out of just the rocket ship to the, you know rocket ship to the back and the fact that I I, I know Zach and Dez. So uh,
1: and to be fair to them, the MSK. Legado Del Fantasma match was really good as well. I mean, they both had very solid tag team matches. Reminded me of the, uh, like the golden era of tag team wrestling with American Alpha Revival, DIY, in NXT uh, about four or five years ago now at this point. Uh, speaking of DIY, you got Johnny Gargano defending the NXT North American Championship against Kushida. Uh, the stuff they did this past Wednesday was phenomenal. Uh, Gargano was like the last white meat babyface that we've seen in some time, at least in WWE's realm. And now he's doing a really good job as a heel. Uh, hilarious with the uh, the wheelchair, the broken arm stuff. Uh, I loved the thing, which he took a little uh, shot at Triple H. I don't know if many fans caught that, but I certainly did, where uh, he would go away for a couple weeks. They would do a bunch of video packages to the tune of Beautiful Day. And then he would return, make a triumphant return. Well, that's what they did for Triple H back in 2002 uh, when he tore his quad and was out made his return to MSG, uh, building up towards WrestleMania 18. I like that little subtle jab that he had. I'm really enjoying Johnny Gargano. I would love to take Kushida in this one, Dr. Trey. You know me, big Kushida guy. But I think they're leaning towards doing a Johnny Gargano-Dexter Lumis match at some point. So I'm going to go with Gargano retaining the NXT North American Championship.
0: Well, we just said they didn't do a whole lot with Fideo. Um, Have they done a whole lot with Kushida? Eh, not really. So uh, I'll take Gargano because uh, WWE just has a hard time booking Japanese wrestlers. I mean, we've seen it on all the brands throughout the years. So I'll take Johnny Gargano.
1: Speaking of a Japanese wrestler that they haven't had a tough time booking, Dr. Trey, you got Io Shirai defending that women's championship in a triple threat match against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. This is a tough one to call. Uh, I'm going to take Io Shirai. But I would not be shocked if Tony Storm or Mercedes Martinez walked out of NXT Takeover Vengeance Day as a women's champion. So I'm going to go with Eo.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. And this and the Tony Storm factor is kind of like the same thing with the Grizzled Young Vets that I didn't mention. But uh, with the borders opening back up and people able to go back to maybe their home areas, uh, maybe those two, those those two people there or two groups, you know, just GYV and uh, and Tony Storm start making their way back to NXT UK. Um, this one's hard. I, it's, I'm going to take Mercedes Martinez because I think with her, you have the same kind of veteran leadership on top that you have with Finn on top of the main roster, of the men's roster. So I, I think I'm going to lean towards Mercedes Martinez right now.
1: All right, then let's get to the main event here for the NXT Championship. This to me is just a fan. This is a dream match scenario. You've got Finn Balor defending against Pete Dunne two of my favorites here in the last five to ten years in all of professional wrestling. This is going to be a fun match. I really want to pick Pete Dunn, one of my favorite guys to watch in all of wrestling right now. But I'm going to go with Finn Balor retaining against Pete Dunn on Sunday, Dr. Trey.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I got Finn Balor. I still think the bigger payoff match is maybe Finn and Karrion Cross before Karrion goes up to the main roster. So I'll take Finn retaining, although I, I don't know about you. Were you surprised that no, WWE said they have never, or Wade Barrett said they have never wrestled? I was kind of
1: surprised. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to hear that, but you got to remember that Pete Dunne was on the rise when Finn was probably in NXT at that point or towards the end of his Japan run. Uh, Pete Dunne had really come up here in the last five, six, seven years. Uh, he's still a very young guy, but very surprising to see. And this is definitely a dream match, not only for people here in the United States, but certainly in Europe. Uh, two of the greats to come out of that scene in the last decade plus, Pete Dunne and Finn Balor. Uh, so that'll do it for this week's show. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. We'll we'll recap review NXT Takeover Vengeance Day on next week's show. You can download the show every Thursday at theBowershow.com, WrestleChatnet on Twitter and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't f- forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the Wonderful World with Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like
0: Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Just had a really big show last week. Headlined by the return of the Rocket City Championship Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion Tim Bodie. Uh, coming up uh, this coming up or this the the sixteenth. Uh, we have the Tate twins, formerly known as the Boys from Ring of Honor, Dalton Castle's uh forward 2nd uh we'll be coming in during ring a monitor challenge for the southern tag team championship so that's a big uh kudo and then we got wrestling con four coming up may fifteenth uh so we once we start getting some people uh booked for the show some bigger days will be announcing it here on the uh still realtor show.
1: So there you go support all the great things that support SRTU. And like I said, we will be back next week to uh on the eighteenth, not only to recap and review NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, but we'll also get you ready for Elimination Chamber, uh, which will be taking place that following Sunday. So it's a busy time in the world of professional wrestling. NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day on Sunday. Uh, The following Sunday, Elimination Chamber, and then I think two weeks from that Sunday, AEW Revolution, Fastlane, all leading up towards WrestleMania 37. It'll be April before you know it, and uh, hopefully a lot of things will be behind us at that point as we're coming up a year on some of the most uh, frustrating years of our times here in the entire world. So until next week, for Dr. Trent Franklin, I'm Jeff Pack. Thank you for making this part of your week. This has been the Still Real Toast Show.
0: Spirit the fun's just getting started! To the max.
1: This is, is gonna be awesome!
0: Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back Bayside! They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started! To the max. This
1: is, is gonna be awesome!
0: Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock.